This is SG2 Perspectives, a conversation with SG2 experts and industry thought leaders about the biggest trends in healthcare and what we expect that's going to mean for the future of healthcare delivery. Welcome to SG2 Perspectives. I'm your host for today, Trevor Durin, along with my co-hosts, Jamie Zage and Tori Ritchie. We're going to do something fun that we haven't done before. It's near the end of 2022. We're going to take an opportunity to look back and pick some of our favorite quotes from the year. Inevitably, they're some of our favorites because they touch on some of the biggest themes and topics that we've talked about with members throughout the year. But this isn't meant to be the big, most summative episode for 2022. This is more focused on some of our personal favorites and the quotes we like the most. And one of the fun parts was we all ended up picking quotes from each other's episodes. It's true. We do listen to each other's episodes. We can't help it. Jamie, I'll kick it to you first. I love the quote you picked from the year ahead last year that sets up that we looked ahead and we had a pretty good finger on the pulse of what 2022 was going to look like. That's right. And that's one of the reasons why I went back to it. It's always fun to go back to the year ahead and see how we did. I took a listen to that one. It really resonated with me in particular because we've been hearing so much about the workforce challenges. And that was one of the themes that Steve Jenkins, now retired from SG2, mentioned this challenge. The quote really touches on how there's optimism on the healthcare industry as a whole in terms of how it can innovate how care is delivered. As real and present and painful as the workforce constraints that our members face every day are, what we know is that when organizations, when people face real constraints, that's when innovation happens. That's when you start to break the rules. That's when you change a clinical process of care where you treat a patient in a setting of care you never thought possible. The hopeful side to this is we know that real change happens when we're forced to change. He talks about real change happens when we are faced with change. Absolutely. And I think about the conversations that I've been having with our organizations and so much of this redesign is born out of necessity. Providers across the country, they recognize that the care models of old, the way that care used to be delivered to consumers, that doesn't necessarily work anymore. Number one, consumers are increasingly savvier. In addition, there's just such resource constraints that providers are facing that those old care models also don't work. And so just born out of necessity to drive those efficiencies to economize and scale operations. They're having to pursue new ways of doing things. It's certainly going to impact our forecast next year as well. The other thing about innovation, I kind of fast forwarded to another episode that was more in the summer of this last year, looking and focusing on the overlap between strategic planning and supply chain. And so this is Dr. Maddie McDowell from SG2 and Simmerit Sandu talking about what's happening in that overlap space. And it's a different kind of innovation. Nobody knew what supply chain was prior to COVID. Everybody understands what a supply chain is today, right? It is a complex web of activities, uh, people, processes, companies that connect across an ecosystem of demand and supply replenishment. It's an interesting time where we're beginning to understand the fragility of our supply chains in healthcare. There's a quote from Maddie that talks about how care delivery innovation, so moving to minimally invasive surgeries, or maybe it's even shifting sites of care. When strategic planners want to implement that, oftentimes they haven't had supply chain at the table. And so there's some delays in getting their strategic plan executed moving forward, and they don't see the results that they want as fast as they had hoped because they weren't completely ready to do it from an operational perspective from that supply chain perspective. When health systems and providers 
develop a strategy for growth. Perhaps they are going to do a new procedure, minimally invasive, and they're going to do it in a new region or geography. The last people that are notified are the supply chain folks. And that team oftentimes has to say, wait a second, there's a couple of steps that need to be done to ensure we can secure the correct supplies to do this, which can delay a strategic plan execution by sometimes six to nine months. What I really thought was interesting about this particular episode is that it talked not about the clinical care innovation as much as the how we do the business of healthcare innovation, who comes to the table, how we do our planning together, how we do our operations together, that has to change as well. And so I thought it was a really nice tie between a number of the different episodes through the year that really focused on how we need to do things differently. Jamie, that's so good because it's a theme that we heard really across audiences, across different leadership teams from health systems that we were speaking with. They can't help but talk about kind of the operational constraints on growth. And Mike Humphrey said it really well in an episode debriefing some of the network interactions he'd had recently with CSO and CFO audiences. We're suffering from a tyranny of here and now. There are so many issues of operational capacity, trying to create better and sustainable revenue mix amongst the organizations. Trying to reconcile this longer-term perspective with the near-term perspective is a real challenge for them. And in many ways, while this was a meeting between CSOs and CFOs, those financial and strategic-oriented individuals, a lot of the issues that are gating their work, challenging their movement forward, are the operational issues. In many ways, I feel like that could be a summary statement for the year. Jamie, just like you teed up from year ahead, that's a big one that encompasses so much. And it came up so many times. It came up in our strategy exchanges that we led four of this year. And in one of the debrief episodes, Jennifer O'Connor talked about really well how challenging it is right now to message the importance and the connection that every employee, staff member at a big 30, 40,000 person health system has to those growth initiatives that are so important to the future viability of the health system. Let's hear her say it better than me. It's storytelling. For some who had found success, they had good storytellers in among their executive team. They did also note they had a very formal process for cascading goals. And so perhaps one of the other lessons learned here is that to translate, we need to make it tangible and real to employees. How do you take what feels like a high lofty strategic objective and get it down to a goal that is personal to someone? Yeah. Trevor, I think that that ties so nicely then to the topic of service distribution, which is also a theme that we've heard come up a number of times throughout the course of the year, starting all the way back in January with our client problem solving podcast with Katie Leo and Allie Wishnick. Allie had a great quote in there that really talked about as capital planning is underway now with organizations, which was really put on pause at the peak of the pandemic, organizations are having to think through what kind of physical space do they need? What do things look like on the inpatient side? This is another area that something must have been happening this fall. And it's not just that SG2 did a webinar about capital planning and capacity planning and facility planning. I would love to think that that was the reason that a bunch of folks reached out. But I think it coincided with organizations finally unfreezing their capital budgets and being ready to start investing some dollars into facilities again. A lot of organizations, understandably, through the pandemic, had to take a time out and think, what physical space do we actually need? 
And a lot of organizations have come to SG2 and asked us questions around what will be virtual in the long term, what actually does require some physical space in the ambulatory side. On the inpatient side, what can we consolidate? How will our long-term site of care change going forward? What care can be treated in the home? Hospital at home is an extremely hot topic these days, and organizations are trying to understand the modeling around future capacity needs. Additionally, thinking about things like service distribution and what type of long-term impact that will have for an organization with more than one hospitals in their system. She just does a great job at summarizing what we've continued to hear from members over the last 12 months. Organizations are resource constrained. That makes me think of another podcast that we did this year, Keep Focusing on Forward, with Melissa Throckold and Heidi Pandia. Melissa has a great quote here about capacity planning and service distribution as it relates to workforce. Definitely a lot of interest in capacity planning and thinking about service distribution as it relates to, I think, workforce in a lot of ways. Hospital systems are realizing that they don't have the workforce to sustain the kind of operations they've had in the past. We have a lot of clients starting to ask us, we've traditionally been all things to all people, and we don't have the workforce to support being all things to all people in the community. And we need to start thinking about how do we distribute our services differently? Do we start to consolidate services? in a particular hospital to enable us to have the right workforce to care for the right patients at the right time. It's a perfect storm of workforce challenges, rising acuity, capacity constraints all coming together to really challenge the healthcare system to think about how do they do things differently. They've been thinking about how to thoughtfully distribute services across organizations' healthcare systems, and this is largely in an effort to reduce that workforce burden and to economize how personnel should be distributed across sites of care. And I think it's clear there is no one-size-fits-all solution. That said, larger organizations seem to have found some success in prioritizing patient needs by making sure patients can stay close to home. This means that each institution needs to work at the top of their license. So smaller community hospitals are scaling operations, taking on more complex cases. Meanwhile, those truly tertiary or quaternary and destination services are being shifted out to the AMC that might be a bit further away. Trevor, you have such a focus on rural health in your day job. There are major implications here for those rural hospitals as we think about service distribution. So I'm curious, how have you approached that discussion with members recently? It's another fun opportunity to show a really optimistic end of the spectrum and maybe what the historic or less optimistic end of the spectrum looks like. But the optimistic side is if big health systems are really thinking about how to best distribute services, there's kind of a rebalancing and a huge cascading set of operational and incentive implications around how to make this stuff actually work. We get to talk about it from the strategy and exclusively the services perspective. What I'm hearing in the marketplace and from the organizations that I'm talking to, it's also about redeploying assets, especially when we talk about the workforce. There's a finite number of nurses and doctors and allied health professionals and support staff that come into play. And rather than thinking that if you're going to shift and do more care in the home or in the ambulatory setting, that you're always going to be able to recruit to do that, you've got to actually make the tough decisions. And uh, Trevor, what you were saying really sparked this for me in my brain. If you're going to shift stuff to other sites, what are you not going to do? 
Jamie, I love that because that's such a good tee up for the third quote that I have here on the topic, which comes from our exec summit debrief. We'll cut to Brianna talking about that exact topic. This is not the time to be trying to do it all. We fall victim to that in healthcare quite often. But our message is don't do it all. Figure out where you can let go. Come back to your operations and think about how you can focus. All of that is important, especially within the vein or the lens of the economic environment that we're in right now. We can't afford to chase the squirrel. We have to really be thoughtful about where we invest and come back to what makes us great, what we can do exceptionally well. What we're seeing here is the SG2 message of you can't be all things to all people continues to ring true. Absolutely. We've got to think from the top, from the bigger picture, what are we trying to do and what are the different levers we can pull to get there? I think that's really important, Tori. And it tees up this last section of a couple quotes that I wanted to zero in on, focused on disruptors, because in many ways, it's forcing a decision from health systems around, is this a place we can compete and continue to play? Primary care has been something that most health systems have thought of as an essential piece of their mission and a feeder for many other services. And I think that calculus is changing. Let's hear Jennifer O'Connor again talk about how health systems are thinking about and evaluating disruptors. I picked up a real sense that providers are feeling like they're playing catch-up. Disruptors like Amazon and CVS and Optum weren't running daily COVID command centers the last two years. They were out making strategic moves and investments. Our health systems feel a little behind. They feel pressure to respond. And obviously, finances are tough right now. That makes that challenging. I was pleasantly surprised, though. I would say never count health systems out. And I like Jennifer's optimism at the end that we are seeing health systems. They're not sitting back. They're thinking about how to play or partner in this space. Jamie, I want to hear your thoughts here because I usually think of disruptors. My lens is usually through primary care, but there's a huge number of new competitors, potential partners, entities in the post-acute and home care space. But I think health systems are thinking about them more frequently as partners than competitors, where it's probably the inverse on the primary care side. No, absolutely. I think there's a lot of, to use the phrase that Tori just used, point solution type innovations that are happening in the care at home space. And what we see on that disruptor side is a lot of those home care organizations are starting to move into the concept they call sniff at home. And that is potentially a disruptor for how sniffs operate. And they're really strained right now. So they're going to have to respond in different ways. And that has implications for how you get your patients out of hospitals. We're already hearing in the marketplace these challenges from inpatient facilities where patients who are waiting for a skilled nursing bed are waiting five, 10 days before they can get into that skilled nursing bed. So this is ripe for disruption. That's probably in the end a good thing because the post-acute landscape has been one of the most highly variable, high cost components of the system of care, at least from a Medicare perspective. And so it's a kind of another way for us to rethink what all of that recovery care should look like, but there's disruption going on all over here, Trevor. Yeah, Mike Strzelewski's comments in the episode about physician alignment speak to that really well. Let's hear it from him. You've got a new entrant in your market that's caring for a portion of the population that you historically served or you were trying to serve. Are they a peer competitor? Do they fill a gap that you would have otherwise not been able to fill? Do they become a partner? Tori or Jamie, anything else you want to say about disruption? One of you want to wrap it up or do you want me to just put a quick bow on it? 
I think such an important aspect of disruption for our team as well is how does this play into the annual impact of change forecast update. And this is something that we're having conversations with our service line experts about right now is in this environment that is ripe for disruption, that is ripe for care redesign, what then are the downstream impacts on future utilization and length of stay? Because Jamie, I think that you alluded to it perfectly with some of those skilled nursing facility anecdotes is the way that care is being delivered currently and some of the backlogs that we are experiencing, we can't continue providing care in this manner for much longer. It's a drain on hospital resources. There are downstream implications on patient outcomes and quality. There are major cost implications from a payer perspective. And so this disruption and this innovation in this space really will serve as a catalyst to drive improvement across the landscape as a whole. I completely agree, Tori. We started talking about innovation and we ended with disruption, but really aren't they the same thing? It's just the lens in which you look at them. Can't think of a better way to end it. This has certainly been fun for me as a host to think back on some of my favorite episodes and conversations, both that I hosted and that I got to listen to from you two over the course of the last year. I hope it was fun for our listeners. Thanks for listening to SG2 Perspectives. And Jamie and Tori, look forward to having you back on as experts and hosts again soon. Thanks so much for listening to SG2 Perspectives. As always, I really value your feedback, input, comments or ideas for episodes and you can reach us at sg2perspectives at sg2.com additionally i recommend that you check out some of the other Visient podcasts which cover a range of clinical and operational areas those can all be found at visientinc.com backslash podcasts mm-hmm.